I don't know what a red light means on these. It means I think the batteries are getting down there. So we'll see how this goes this morning. Uh, but we better be looking up some triple A, double A batteries, I believe. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 12. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. How many of you realize the devil loves to beat us up? I think of the prophet that said, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left. You ever feel that way? You ever just said, well, I'm the only one with brains in this house? <laughs> I'm the only one. How come I can see that towel laying on the floor and nobody else can see it? It's invisible. <laughs> you know, we, we, can, we can get into cranky moods, can't we? Every one of us can get into places where we feel like there's no one else but me. But the Lord wants you to know this. It isn't true. <laughs> In Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to begin with verse 1, though I want to go through 11. He said, We're foreseeing also, we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Not, and, and I've said, I believe those are the saints that have gone before us. And some of us, well, how do you know that? Well, whatever you decide, right? I believe that they're the saints that have gone before us. Lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. I, I, I've said before, you know, if you have an alcohol problem, you've got to be careful of that the rest of your life. Well, someone said to me one time, well, you know what? If you get redeemed, why do you have to be careful? Because it's the sin that so easily besets you. Paul said there is no sin that is not common to man. I'd see people come to my office and say, when I tell you my sin, you're going to fall right on the floor. And I would sit there and they would tell me. And I'd say, you see, I'm still sitting here. You know why that is? Because it's just a repeat. It's just a repeat. But the things that we have to understand is there are sins that can so easily beset us. There are weights that can so easily beset us. I think of Superman. I know he's a fictitious character, but I guess it was kryptonite that was so easily beset him. Well, some things are kryptonite to us. And we have to be on guard about those things. 
But he is saying here, and I want to read again, wherefore, seeing we also are accompanied about with so great a cloud of witnesses. In other words, he's saying, look, these people see you. Don't embarrass yourself. Whether you think the curtain's closed or not, I want you to know it's not. When you think you're doing something in secret and nobody can see it, he said, I want you to know it's not as secret as you think it is. So don't embarrass yourself. Let us lay aside. And I love that word lay aside. You know how many people say, oh, Lord, I need a miracle. When God is saying, I told you to lay it aside. We wait for the certain evangelist. We wait for uh, for this one. And we think that some special person is going to come and they're going to pray for us. And all of a sudden the weight's going to lift. And all of a sudden the sins are going to go. And what he said here, you need to lay it aside like a garment. Oh, but Lord, I don't want to live by discipline. I'm the most undisciplined man. He said, well, the word disciple means discipline. The Bible said that we need to reckon ourselves dead. And what does that mean? Even though we're not dead, we need to act as if we were dead. We need to say, Lord God, if Jesus was the great example in Gethsemane, he said, Lord God, he said, not my will, but thine be done. What was Jesus showing us? That being all human and all God, he had an all human will too. He said, Father, it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And I don't think it was so much the suffering and the shame that he was going to face as much as it was the total eclipse from the presence of the Father. He'd never had that. The Bible said that there was darkness that come upon the earth for three hours where God had turned his back on Christ and the cross. Because he could not look at sin. And Jesus cried. He said, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? This darkness is worse than I could have ever prepared myself to receive. It's worse than anything I could have thought in my own head. Horrible. Maybe if you ever had to face open heart surgery... And they told you what was going to happen and you listened to it. But I guarantee if you talk to somebody who's actually gone through it, they'll tell you you can never really psychologically prepare for that cough pillow. As much as they can educate you. All the education in the world cannot prepare you for the pain and the agony that comes from healing. And that's what Jesus was suffering. He knew he would die. He knew the Father would turn his back on him. But there's something about experiencing something that is traumatic. People have asked me, why did Jesus say, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? When he knew full well from the foundation of the earth that it had to happen to redeem mankind. Because there's something about facing and going through it you can never prepare for with all the education in the world. A, a, a woman who goes to classes to have a child and goes through all of the uh, uh, 
you know, breathing and everything else. But I'm going to tell you something. When it comes right down to the moment, all of that doesn't seem to matter too much. Man, this is worse. This is hard. My wife was going through pains for Rebecca. And I got hungry. <laughs> And so I went and found some peanut butter crackers. And me and the nurse sat and they eating peanut butter crackers. And my wife's mother said, get out of the room. <laughs> Unbearable, painful, hurt. And we both were quite convicted. <laughs> How easy it is for us to see another person's pain. And even though we try to wrap our head around it, even though we try to understand it, we really cannot know. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience. Let me tell you something about that. I, I think over my life, and, and, and I've got uh, hundreds of hours of theological study. I actually lived at a Bible school for four years. And you know what I did during those four years of Bible study? Of Bible school? I washed dishes. And lots of dishes. And I complained. And I didn't like it. But that's why the Bible said you've got to you've got to you've got to end this thing with patience. People want to get become celebrities overnight. They come to church, they sat around for a few months, and all of a sudden nothing's happening. I'm going to tell you. He said, with patience. The hardest thing, I think, for a Christian, is to go through dry times. There's something about I think more Christians fall. During dry times. But you know those dry times. It might be a dry time in your marriage. It might be a dry time as a parent. It may be a dry time. You, you know what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about dry time. There are times when. It like, it's like nothing's going to change. It's like. Nothing is changing. It, it, you know we, we're going through the motions. But God said with Patience. Patience will cause perseverance. We sing a song, I am determined, I've made up my mind. I'll serve the Lord. That takes determination. I saw a short video of Oprah Winfrey. Five known pastors. Sitting on her couch. I wouldn't sit on her couch. Sitting on her couch. Well, she asked them, is Jesus the only way? I'm thinking, how ignorant? Ask me that question. Absolutely. In fact, every other way is evil. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but through me. He said, narrow is the gate that leadeth to eternity. When someone stands up and says, I'm a Christian, but I believe there's other ways, they're not a Christian. They're liars. 
They're deceivers. They're evil. Because Jesus is the only way. And to be a Christian, you've got to know him. He said, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know me. And my sheep never say, there's other ways. They know that I am the gatekeeper of the door. They know that I am the one uh, that, that will lead them. So with patience, what do we do? We run the race that is set before us. What is the race? Has anybody ever done, a, ever, ever ran? And then after, after a while, you're just kind of walking. <laughs> but you don't want people to know how hard you're breathing. And you, and you get, let me tell you, you know what he said? You know, know, know what the Lord said? He said, this walk with Jesus is a race. It's not going to be comfortable. You can buy the best shoes in the world, but it's still a run. I never said it was going to be a rose garden. I never said it was going to be easy. But he said, we've got to persevere. We can't allow the, the, the wickedness of others to keep us. I watched my grandmother for many years, and, and she served the Lord. And when she got filled with the Holy Ghost, she didn't know what to say, so she just said, whippy. Whippy! <laughs> she was Baptist, didn't know, but she knew something happened. <laughs> and she lived for years with a man who did not go to church. You know what my grandfather's job was? Put the chicken in the oven around 1045. That's what his job was while she was in church for years and years and years and years. He didn't go to church. And all of a sudden, I'm going to tell you when my grandfather died, he was one of our most faithful members. But you've got to persevere. You're going to set your heart to run the race. Had a lady one time. She was a, she was a Sunday school teacher, and her and, and her child just walked away from church and walked away from things. Got into drugs and alcohol, and she threw her keys and said, "I would rather be with my family than with Jesus." Frustrated, angry. How could Jesus let my son do this? How could that happen? How could the, I'm throwing my keys. I'm all done. We might feel like that, but we better not. We've got to continue to go forward. What other, whatever others do. I think of Lot. By God's mercy, he brought him out, but his wife did not come out. She had affections for the things within the city, and she, and she died because of those effects. You can't lead everybody. Not, and I'm not promising that everyone that you love is going to come to Jesus. We pray that everyone will. Jesus prayed that. He said, Lord, he said, Father, I wish that none would perish, but that all would come to everlasting life. But my grandmother believed for him. 
She loved him. She was kind to him. She didn't, she didn't beat him up because he, he oh, I got a non-believer of the house. She never did. I never ever heard her say anything like that. And I will tell you, he was a good husband other than that, that not going to church. And every Sunday we went for a ride. I used to like the ride because I get a Pepsi. Little things, little things. But being faithful, being faithful. And it's the race that is set before. In other words, God's already preset that race. Not for me to decide which race I want to turn. Someone said, well, you're a Pentecostal. Why are you Pentecostal? Because I didn't know there was a choice. That's where God put me. I didn't wake up one morning and say, you know, I think I'm going to be good from now on. And let me think, which religion would be the best religion? I had no idea. When I got saved, I had a coffee table Bible. I went and got the biggest Bible because I thought that, in it, like this one right down here, I mean, the thing weighed about eight pounds, and I lugged it around because I thought, man, this is what I believe now. This was, I couldn't quote John 3.16. But I knew that I needed this big old heavy Bible. Today, people use their cell phones a lot, but... But, but I had to have, I went to the Bible bookstore and bought that big Bible. I said, that's the one. They said, you sure, son? Oh, yeah, that's the one. I want that big Bible. I did finally put the coffee Bible away, table Bible away. <laughs> but the thing that you need to understand and realize is that your race was already set before you. God never thought you were intelligent enough to choose a race for yourself. He didn't say, well, you know something, brother, or you know something, sister. I'm going to let you sit down and think about which way you want to go. He didn't do that. He said, you come, you want to follow, you follow me. I do like the path he gave me. <laughs> but I will tell you, it was set before me by Jesus. He said, the, the path that is set before you. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. I'm going to tell you right now, God did not only authorize your faith. He said, I'll finish it if you'll trust me. We sing this song, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but trust and obey. Lord, I trust you. I don't understand everything that goes on around me. I don't understand why I'm having difficulties in relationship. I don't understand why my children aren't doing what I would like. To. I don't understand a lot of things, but I trust him. You can't be happy in Jesus if you're not Trusting him. Lord, I trust you. I sit there and, 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 and Saturday, I mean, uh, Friday, I, I sat in my office and said, Lord God, you know that I have certain fears. And, and, and one of my fears uh, uh, was that I would end up with a big building and nobody in it but me. I said, I don't want that, Lord. And you see, but we know what the Lord says to me. Trust me. That could be tough. That could be tough. When everything you see is contrary. When everything.
everything you see, when you, when you, you know, when we say bot, only goats bot, not sheep. And so we realize that when you say bot, what you're saying is, oh, I believe everything in this word, word bot. You don't know my story. I'm going to tell you what. I don't need to know your story. I know a story. You know what the story is? It's called history. It's the word of God. Against everything. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced that fiery furnace, they knew that it was certain death unless God intervened. Everything they saw looked like defeat. When Daniel faced that lion's den, everything that he saw looked like defeat. These, these, these things are going to eat me. Lord, carest thou not that we perish? He said, oh, ye of little faith. Did I not say, let us go to the other side? Did you hear my words or are the circumstances greater than my words? And they mocked Daniel because he wasn't eaten up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through the furnace, but not even the smell of smoke was upon them. And when Nebuchadnezzar looked down into that furnace, he said, I don't only see three. He said, I see four. And he said, one is likened unto the Son of God. How do you know about the Son of God? Sometimes the greatest revelation that people will get is when they want you going through a furnace. When they watch you going through situations and you're singing songs like, I am determined, I've made up my... And the devil paces back and forth. And says, I've thrown everything at that person and listen to what they're doing. Paul and Silas in that prison, they've been beaten. <clears throat> they could have complained. They could have said, Lord, why did you lead us out here to die? Why, Lord God, did we get beat? Lord, we're going to get gangrene for sure. You see the filth that is in this place. You, just, you, you know what? We, we just said, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. But that's not what they did. I'd like to know the song they were singing, but they were singing and shouting and praising the Lord, and God was so pleased by their attitude that the ground began to shake, and the doors were open. And that Philippian jailer that night took them to be in his house, and they told him about Jesus, and he became a convert. Why? Because they endured the suffering. The beating was real. The bruising and the pain was real. But through the pain that they endured, a Philippian jailer and his whole family come to find Jesus. We have doctrine that's being preached today that says, well, if you're in the Lord, you'll always be rich. You'll never have problems. You'll never have this. I'm going to tell you what the Bible said. You will have problems until the day you leave this earth. I don't want to sugarcoat it. I don't want to whitewash it. I don't want you to think that somehow we're going to live happily ever after. I remember when I got saved, I thought everybody in the church was burning incense and just praising Jesus. 
I didn't know there were church plants. I didn't know that there were chorus. I didn't know that, that there would be problems and, and, and all that. But I do know this one thing. Jesus will not be mocked. Jesus will not be mocked. He said, I am the author. And I'm, you know, I'm preaching the first three verses. Those aren't even in my text. I'm not even supposed to start preaching until we get to verse 3. But I'm going to let the Holy Ghost have his way. How many, know, how many want to hear the Holy Ghost speak? Even through this French boy. When my wife married me. I didn't even have a GED. I didn't even know what it was. I thought it was a GD. How, how many know God's merciful and he's loving? But if we open our mouth in faith, God can fill it. We have to understand and know that he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Not Bob Bowman, not anyone else, but him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He said, I am the carpenter, I've begun the work, and I am the one that will finish it. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Who for the joy. Now how do you get joy and endurance in the same sentence? I like joy. But how in the world do you put those two things in the same sentence? Because God said, I've called you a peculiar people. I put with you a spirit that is not like the world. One that can rejoice even in times of persecution. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of of God. That's why Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I've endured. And he says, and my people, my saints, if you endure to the end, you're sure to be with me in eternal life. You're going to need to endure in this world. It's not a rose garden. We go through pains. Birth pains, all the different types of pains. We go through those things. But you know what? We rejoice in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the sorrow, in the midst of the hurt, in the, in, in the midst of, of, of the um, disappointments, in the midst of the dry time. That's one thing I loved about my sister Doris. She was faithful. She taught us to be faithful. P. 
People, I've seen people running around. They're running and looking. They're running and looking. They go from church to church. They go here and they go there. They're trying to find something that if they would only be patient. I've seen the Lord really begin to move here. And people come running because they want to eat at the table. But they don't want to pay the cost of keeping the doors open when things are dry. They want the building to be ready when, they're when they get married. They want the building ready when they want their children uh, baptized. But what about those that endure? What about those that are persevere? God said, you're the ones that I look to. That's the apple of my heart. Some people are going to suffer more than others. And you're not going to know why. But God is preparing us for something that is greater. Some people will be more gifted than others. And you will not know why. But I'm going to tell you this right now. With every gift, there is a requirement. I remember one man told me one time, he really wanted to be a, uh, to prophesy. He really wanted the gift, and he kept praying, Lord, I want the gift of prophecy. Then the Bible said, if you seek the gift of prophecy, that's a good thing. And God endowed him with a wonderful gift of prophecy. He said, one time I was invited to a church. It was a Baptist church. And this, this church didn't believe in those gifts, and they didn't believe in the operation of the gifts at that time. And the Lord told him, I want you to get up and say this, saith the Lord. Huh? He said, you know, I did fail that. He said, I, I did tell him, but outdoor. He said, and God really told me, he said, so you said you wanted a gift. I'm going to tell you what, when you receive a gift, you're going to be obligated to that gift, and there's going to be a lot required of you. Every prophet, the Bible said, was sawn asunder in the Old Testament. Jesus said, what of the prophets have you not killed? They say Isaiah was put into a hollow log, and, and, they, and they sawed him in half. He said, what of the prophets have you? Why? I'll tell you why. Because prophecy isn't always welcome. But we do thank God for the gifts. We do ask God for the gifts, and we do ask God that, Lord God, strengthen me. Paul said, pray that I have the boldness that I ought to have. Why? Because he was given a gift of being chiefest of apostles, and it was required of him to continually come against the evils of this world. Now, they say about the difference in personality, difference in gifting. According to history, John the Beloved went into a pagan temple and he prayed and said, God, tear this temple down and it was destroyed. Paul went into a pagan temple and he says, and he saw a statue and the statue was to the unnamed God. He didn't say tear down the statue. He said, come tonight and hear who this unnamed God is. I know who he is. Got the whole bunch to come out. And he told him it was about Jesus. You know, there's not one style. But it is to do what the Lord has put in your heart to do and be faithful to it. But looking unto Jesus. Who endured the cross, despised, despising the shame. 
And it sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Let me tell you, to get to heaven, to get to heaven, Jesus said, be as I am. We have to take up our cross and follow him. There's none of this greasy grace that I can say hocus pocus and go out and live my life and do what I want to do and think that miraculously I'm going to end up in heaven. God says, no, that isn't the way that it is. I'm calling a people that will come up among them and be separate, saith the Lord God, and will proclaim my word and will be faithful to me and will deny themselves and will take up the cross of Christ and will bear that cross to the end and overcome through endurance. That is what God's called us to. But he said, I promise you, I promise you that if you will be faithful, if you will take this word, if you will carry that cross, that you will come to a place where I will wipe away all your tears, all your sorrow, all your hurt. All of the things that you've suffered on this earth, I'm going to wipe it all away, and you're going to ever be with me. Isn't that wonderful? Can you imagine? Can you even imagine what it's going to be like, Sandy, when we're there? I mean, my God, we made it. We made it. Oh, I believe we're going to be crying. Oh, God, thank you. I made it. There's been so much against me. So much has wanted to tear me down and to, and, and to cause me not to be here. But thank you, Lord, that you're the finisher of my faith. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't give up on me when I was in sin. Thank you, Lord God, that when I was rebellious, you didn't throw me away or cast me out. Thank you, Lord God, when I doubted that you just came in and loved me when I didn't deserve it. Thank you, Lord God, that you have quickened me and you have prompted me that I would stand. See, this is a miraculous thing that we do here today. This is a miraculous God that we serve. A miraculous thing. Everything about it is miraculous. The world has all these programs to try to reprogram when we need to trust the Lord. God, I, I had a, 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 a dream. And in that dream, I saw people that were indoctrinated by public schools. Because I had a family one time that said, how could... People who have been doctored in the public schools come to know Christ when they're so indoctrinated and their heads are so full. And God showed me Moses. He said, when he cast that, that staff upon the ground, it turned to a serpent. And, and they were able to do the same thing. But there's something that they could not do that he did. What is it, Lord? He said, he took the staff, and he touched it into the water, and the water turned to blood. God said, in an instant, 
I can transform and reverse everything that the devil took all those years to do. Because he's weak and I'm strong. One time somebody said to me, well, I heard a sermon and the pastor, he said it like this. He said, what is the opposite of God? And people said, the devil. He says, no, that isn't true. The devil is nothing more than a created creature. He is in no way in relation to God. He's a fallen foe. He is weak. But God is strong. The devil is not the opposite of, of, of God. Amen. And what we have to understand is that he is weak, but when we are weak, he is strong. And we look to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And I, I, I'm going to have to finish up. I, I've got a bunch of pages. I'm not even going to preach them because I feel like the Lord's given us a better message today. Amen. And that is a message that he understands your infirmities. He understands. He said, my hand is not short that I cannot touch and pray for you. My ear is not stopped that I cannot hear your cries. He said, I am for you and I'm not against you, saith the Lord. I want you to live a prosperous life, a life that is not in bondage to sin, but one that's at liberty to walk in the spirit as I am in the spirit. I've called you to a place of boldness where I'll take your backbone and make it a backbone like steel. I'll make your forehead like flint. So when somebody strikes you, it'll start a fire. He said, I'll replace that hard, broken heart and I'll replace it with a pliable heart of faith, a heart of flesh, one in which I can put my insignia ring into and say, this is mine. So many people, the Bible's in the last day, many will, will run from the faith because they get weary, because they don't understand that there is an obligation to every one of us as Christians. 33 years I've stood behind the pulpit. Times when I felt like I just didn't want to, I just wanted to go. God has always saved me from myself. But it's not easy every morning. Not always easy. The devil sometimes plagues me with thoughts and feelings. And I have to resist them in the name of Jesus. The Bible said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. How many of you ever just got into a, into a situation? You've talked yourself into such a thing, you're going to tell everybody all. I've just had enough of all of it. I don't know my mom would do that. When she was so patient. What a lovely, wonderful woman. But when she did make up her mind, she was going to, she remembered what you did two months ago. Everybody run and hide. <laughs> How often we can find ourselves there. We feel like we've been shortchanged. We feel like we're worth a, a short end of the stick. We feel like nobody understands. And what God is saying in all that, he said, remember, I endured the cross. 
Remember, I gave everything. And Paul said, which of you have striven, or which of them have striven under blood? Who have given? I want you to understand and realize, and I'm, I'm closing here today. God is for you and he loves you. He knows what you're going through. Like this 92-year-old lady that called me last night, Pastor, I need your prayers. My vital signs are beginning to drop. My blood pressure is way down. Everything indicates that my body is beginning to shut down. She said, I'm not afraid to leave this world. But she said, please pray for me, for strength. We all need prayer. But we all also need to understand that we've got to finish this race. We've got to finish in this dark hour that we are in. For God is a righteous God, and he's a merciful God. Would you stand with me, please? Isn't God faithful? Verse 3, as you're standing, for consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your minds. And lest you be weary and faint in your minds. Every one of us have battles before us. Now, I'm not going to tell you because if you're facing a battle, good chances are you'll overcome that because you're more than a conqueror, but you're going to get to the top of the hill and you're going to realize that in this life there are a lot of mountains. And we just have to say, Lord, I believe. Thank God for the little walk down because that was a little easier than the walk up, but it looks like I've got another, another walk up. until Jesus comes, and then we're really going to go up. Right. Won't that be wonderful? I sing that song, Won't it be wonderful there? I don't know the rest of it, though. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and I sang that, last, well, I sang that, those three words to the sister last night. Won't it be wonderful there? And that's what we have to understand and realize. The Lord is coming soon. Perry F. Rockwood said, Maranatha, friends, he's coming. And we need to be faithful all the days of our life. Let us, let us bow our heads in prayer. You out on Facebook, I hope it, this will encourage you to know God loves you. And he cares for you and he died for you. And he endured such contradictions of sinners. We need, to, we need to be willing to endure in the day that we live in Jesus' name. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Father, that you've made yourself so real to us. We do not take that for granted. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've created us and that, Lord God, you have put within us a spirit of faithfulness. Lord, a spirit of overcoming, a spirit of a warrior, a spirit of a son. And Lord, that we develop in that, in that character as we live on this earth. God, we thank you that you're present with us this morning. We thank you that the Holy Spirit has spoken to our hearts. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Father. 
We love the three in one. We love you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. And God bless you.